looking at. We began last Sunday. Just a word about uh, after the service this morning, and we don't usually do this, and I apologize uh, for those that will be leaving, and I won't, won't be able to talk to many or, or any, but um, five minutes after we end our service, uh, we're going to have a short, hopefully a short business meeting for, for members only. Uh, and those of you that are online, if you're a member, um, Charlie just sent out the link. And so five minutes after the service, uh, you can log on because we're going to do it here in the auditorium and also at Zoom, on Zoom. We just have one matter, uh, one item to deal with. Uh, we'll try not to take so long. That's why we're going to just do it right five minutes after the evening or the morning service because I don't want to keep, you know, have people stay longer than they need to. If you have a roast in the oven, we don't want that to go bad. Does anybody even do that anymore? We have crock pots now, right? To what? Not so early, right? All right, um, Matthew 6, and you can remain seated. I'm just going to, you know what, stand up, Let's, if you don't mind. We'll have the reading of God's Word, Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21, and then we'll, then we'll pray. Six nineteen. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us to understand the concept of stewardship. Father, we do not own anything. You have graciously blessed us with whatever we have. Help us to understand that concept. Help us to understand uh, that, that it all belongs to you. And, and then help us, Lord, to realize that um, we're all limited in what you give us and how we handle that. Uh, we will someday give an account and, and we have the opportunity to lay up treasures in heaven, to have long-term investments. And we just ask your blessing today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And you may be seated. And uh, uh, keep your Bible open, Matthew 6, 19. We're going we're gonna to pick up with this. This is where we were last week. Uh, this is message number two. We're talking about treasures in heaven. And um, the word treasure is what we're looking at. That's the theme of Jesus' teaching here. And uh, he says, lay not up. In fact, look at verse 19, if you would. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. There's an interesting little tidbit in the original language. And there's actually, just in that little portion I read, there's a word that's used twice. But it's translated differently because the first time that word is used, it's used as a verb. The second time it's used, it's used as a noun, but it's the same exact Greek word. And it's the word that's translated lay up or lay not up and the word treasure. So you could, uh, it, would, it would do justice to the text to read it this way. Treasure not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, but rather treasure for yourselves treasures in heaven same word and so we're talking about treasure so what is a treasure and i'm going to give you that definition this is very important we looked at this last week but the very definition of treasure 
is illustrated beautifully by this teaching of Jesus Christ. Two definitions that I'm going to give you of the word treasure. First of all, a treasure is wealth accumulated, particularly a stock or store of money in reserve. So treasure, again, it's, it's wealth, not just wealth, wealth accumulated, or specifically a store or stock of money in reserve. So it's something that has been set aside or laid up. Second definition is a great quantity of anything collected for future use. So the very nature of treasure is that it's not just, it's not like our income, but it's, but it's from our income. It's, that, it's not that which we, you know, we all have stuff that's in and out, right? You get your paycheck, and boy, it's going quicker than lickety split, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and it's like, where did the money go? And that's the in and out. Whatever we get coming in, if we're able to just set aside a little, even if it's for the, the mortgage or the rent or whatever, you know, that little reserve could be considered treasure. You know, something you're setting aside for future use. Even if it's next week, next month, next year, that's the idea. And that's the nature, which is interesting because the word treasure here is defined as laying up, treasuring up. So it's that... That idea. Now, we live in a day, there is a popular saying today um, that describes many people's situation, and uh, it's never a blessing. Uh, I've never heard someone stand up and say, I just want to praise God because I'm living paycheck to paycheck. (laughs) You know, that's the phrase. Living paycheck to paycheck usually means that there's nothing to set aside. I mean, what you get in, it goes out. You know, and the Bible does say, Proverbs says, you know, um, riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as a bird toward heaven. That's a paraphrase, but you can relate to that, right? So treasure then isn't just any money we get. Treasure is what we've set aside or laid up for the future. In other words, there's, there's needs that are right now. We need to have food. We need to have clothing Uh, By the way, the Bible says, having food and raiment or clothing, let us therewith be content. That's the biggest challenge. Because we like to pay for our needs and then, oh, we certainly like those other things, don't we? Entertainment and splurging here and there. And it's fun to spend money, isn't it? It really is, you know. So, uh, you know, treasure is not the daily needs that we have, but it's what we've been able to set aside for a future time. That's what a treasure is. Now, the Bible says this, and here's the principle. Proverbs 22 and verse 7 says this, The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. It's a very important principle. That the rich, why is that that the rich rule over the poor? Is that because of this demonic oppression? No, God is saying this is the way it is. Somebody has wisely said, really based on this principle, money flows from those who wisely manage it, or excuse me, from those who do not manage it to those who do manage it. 
So money, if the rich ruleth over the poor, the borrower is servant to the lender. If you and I can learn to be wise with whatever we have coming in, and it's different for all of us, isn't it? But if we can just learn to be wise with what comes in, then we can be good stewards. And the wiser people are with whatever their income is, uh, you know, money tends to flow from those who do not manage wisely. Give you an example. The illustration A is the credit card companies. You know, they uh, they're making a a big big money off of people that aren't necessarily wise. You know, especially when you're you get in the arrears and all that. But it's interesting. Many many moons ago, when God was instructing Israel. He said, he was talking about the blessings and the curses, and if, if you'll walk with me and just live for me, you'll experience blessing. If you don't walk with me, you're going to experience the curses and the challenges of being far from me. And in those blessings, he said in Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 6, one of the signs of, of God's blessing is not being in debt, not being enslaved through debt, and happiness when that happened, happiness was promised to the Israelites. Here's what God said. They would lend to many nations, but not borrow. That was a sign of, of God's blessing, you know, is that you will be in a position where you'll be lending to others, you will not be borrowing. And that makes sense. Because you can't lend to someone else if you aren't meeting your own needs. If you don't have some, anything laid aside for future use, then you don't have anything to lend or be a blessing to others. And, and you could also say, if we're not being wise with our money, we don't have money to give and bless other people at all. There's this Jewish concept that I believe is taught by the rabbis even today, and it's based on this idea of my cup running over. And the picture is that God pours his blessings to us. Imagine this cup. And he pours those blessings out first for our needs, for us to drink. But then the idea is, then there comes to a certain point where our cup begins to run over. My cup runneth over. It's a sign of God's blessing. And that's where uh, we have the opportunity to bless others, you know, to, to think ahead. And, and there's wisdom in that. Here's what Jesus said in a parable. He said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth again, and for joy thereof, in other words, it's a guy walking along the road, uh, walking in a field, and, it's, it, and he, he happens to maybe see a glisten or something, and, and he finds a hidden treasure. But it's not his property. And he's pretty sure the owner of the property has no idea that there's treasure buried there. This is all just kind of imagining some putting some flesh to this little verse that Jesus shared. And what does he do? Well, for joy thereof, he puts the treasure back. Couldn't take it because it doesn't belong to him. And then he goes home and he sells all his possessions. Because he knows, if I can just raise enough money to buy that property, I'll get that treasure more than I could ever more than I own now. And Jesus is using this as an illustration that here you and I are and we have the opportunity 
through what we already own, that's a guy sells what he has, we have an opportunity to buy eternal treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like. You and I have an opportunity with whatever we have right now to be able to get exchange it for something so much more. Stewardship is basically, folks, all about taking what we already have and making the best of it. That's stewardship. Whether it's our time, and by the way, time is a stewardship. We're all given the same amount in a day, but some people are given more days in their life, more years than others, you know, but, but it's, an, it's a stewardship. And so with whatever we're given, it's, it's making the best of that time, finances, our family, our possessions, our talents, and our abilities. It's not, God never compares and say, well, why can't you make or do with, you know, what this guy does? He gives us, he equips us all differently, and he just wants us to be wise stewards with what he gives us. It's basically exchanging one thing for another, or, quote-unquote, transmuting temporary things into less temporary things. That's stewardship. It's taking what we have, which is temporal, but it, and it's used to meet our needs, and it's being wise with it, so we can then change that for something that is less temporary. Uh, as the Tozer quote I, I shared last week, any temporal possession can be turned into everlasting wealth. Whatever is given to Christ is immediately touched with immortality. So the idea of treasure, if you're going to be able to fulfill Matthew 6, verses uh, 19 through 21, you have to have something laid aside to have treasure. If, you, if you're just, you know, paycheck to paycheck, you're just what comes in goes out, then you're not in that position. Financially, now with your time and all that, every, everything's fair game. In fact, I'm reading a book now, not by a believer, but it's called Atomic Habits. And the guy uses a lot of illustrations. He's done a lot of study uh, from different reports. And I, am, I marvel at this whole idea of compound interest. He uses that. That's a financial prop thing, but he uses it to describe our habits. He uses it to describe there's so many areas in our lives where compounding is, is a reality. In fact, the subtitle of the book is Tiny Changes. It's all it is. It's making little tiny changes consistently, and it, it brings forth remarkable results because of compounding. And it's not just our finances. It's everything. So we've got to be mindful of how we manage the little things God gives us. I remember hearing a lady on a, a radio program. The speaker was, um, in fact, turn to Matthew 25 because we're going to go there next. The speaker was expounding, it was a Bible teacher, he was expounding on Matthew chapter 25 in the parable of the talents. Remember that? One guy gets five, one gets two, one gets one, and we'll be there in a minute. He was expounding on that, and he said in his, in his lesson, he said it wasn't how much you have, but how you manage what you have. And then he said this, he said if you're having money problems, Money is not the problem, you are. Ouch. Ouch. 
and this hit her between the eyes. She's the one that's sharing, you know, I listened to this, and, and uh, she said it was only, they, they, now her and her husband were in the middle of getting a divorce. And she turned on the radio, and she heard that, and, she, and, and I guess she needed to hear that. I mean, that's pretty blunt talk. There's no mercy in there, you know. Um, but it hit her between the eyes, and she said it was then and only, only then when you spoke so freely that I realized that I was 90% of the problem. And, and it was her, she was spending them into oblivion, and it was affecting their marriage. So, how are you doing with managing whatever you have? How are you doing on that? Um, somebody, this is a saying I've heard long, long ago, and it's, it's so true. If we don't learn how to control money, money will control us. Or the lack of managing it wisely will control us. And we've all been there. Well, I have. I guess I should just speak for myself, okay? I've been there. Uh, but I think some of you have also been there. Maybe you're there now. Do not despair. God gives, he has principles that are so awesome. He's going to meet your needs. I know it's sometimes when you're in the midst of stuff, the credit card companies are calling you. I remember avoiding the phone like a plague. How wimpy, you know? Oh, honey, you might want to get it. What kind of, what, you know, what is that? Uh, but but if, you, if you've been under financial stress, you can relate to that. Now, look at Matthew 25. So point number one, by the way, is this. Living within your means. You've heard of that statement? Your means is your income. And the key to financial stewardship is living within. Those are boundaries. Living within your means. That is living on less than what our income is. That's the idea of living within your means. And that's the only way that you can follow the teaching of Matthew chapter 6. Treasure, laying up treasure, is if you understand and you live on less. Remember the cup running over? Second point is this, living with our means. Let's talk about whatever you get. Look at Matthew chapter 25, beginning of verse 14. The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and another two, and to another one. That was a, a, a type of money back then, talent. To every, to every man according to his several ability. So they, they were not all entrusted with the same amount of whatever. And that's the way God works. He gives, he trusts some things more in quantity to one person than another in every area. And straightway he took his journey. Look at verse 19 now. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. So they all, one got five talents, one got three, one got one. And he came, verse 20, and so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents, Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. So he took the five talents, and it doesn't say what he did, but from that five talents, maybe he flipped houses. I don't know. You know, but he, he invested it somehow, and he brought in more. So that when the master came back, he was able to say, not only did I take what you gave me, but I, I have five more. And the response well done, thou good and faithful, verse 21. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many. Enter, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Look at verse 22. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. So what he did was he collected baseball cards. And then, I, I'm just kidding. I don't know what he did. But he somehow he took the two talents and he earned two more talents. And what did the guy say to him? What did the owner say? He said, um, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I entrusted you with something little, and you made something of it. By the way, every one of us are given a limited amount, but of finances, of abilities, of time, of you know, all kinds of things. And God expects us to take what we've had, what we have, and to make the best of it. And then there was the scoundrel, the guy that only, look, look at um, verse uh, 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and I went and I hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, that there thou hast that is thine. So he didn't do anything with it. Now we could say, hey, at least the guy didn't lose the talent. At least he didn't like, you know, give it away. And he's like, I spent that as soon as you gave it to me. You know, at least he gave it back. But notice the challenge. Verse 26, his, his Lord answered and said unto him, thou wicked and slothful servant, Thou knowest that I reap where I sow not, gather where I have not strawed. Look at verse 27 now. This is the key. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. That's an old English word in the 17th and 18th century. It's the banker. The bank. To the exchangers. And then at my coming, I should have received mine own with usury or interest. In other words, the master is saying, you could have at least put it in the bank and earned a little bit of interest, and then you would have been faithful with it. But he did not. Now this is a picture of stewardship and the things that God gives us. We want to be wise with it. Sometimes, praise God, sometimes it's through unwise use, the, um, the reproofs of life that we learn, the hard lessons that, for me, uh, I'm pretty dense, and I've had to learn, uh, I've shared stories before the past of, it's so easy to accumulate debt, whether you're building a deck, whether you're getting a central air, whatever. Uh, and, and, you know, God's so graceful, though. He, gives, he teaches us lessons. I remember for, for years, I've known of missionaries. One I'm thinking of in particular. Uh, this was very common when we first started the church, missionaries and missions organizations. Um, and, and one of the missionaries that we supported... Um, in talking to him about his needs and all, I, I was talking about his retirement. Like, you know, have you thought ahead to when you get physically unable to, mish, to minister? And, uh, and he said, we're just going to trust the Lord. And that was very common back in the, in the 80s and so forth. We're just going to trust the Lord. And I remember after many, many years, and he was a faithful servant, faithful witness of the gospel, he died. And all his support for his labor... Uh, was coming in, and it all stopped, most all. And he had a wife who was left destitute. 
And I know that this man, if he had only thought like through that, like someday I'm going to die. And I've got this, this beautiful wife that God has given me that I, I need to take care of her. And he didn't think through that. Of course, that was very common back then. And the idea, well, God's going to challenge me or, or we're going to trust God. There's a biblical principle. We mentioned this insect last week, the ant. Remember the ant? No, very little good about ants, unless you have an ant farm and you like the little things. But two times in Proverbs, God says, look to the ant. In, in Proverbs 6 and verse 6, he says to the lazy person called slugger, go to the ant, thou sluggard, Consider her ways and be wise, which, having no guide, overseer, or ruler, here's what's wise. Here's what a lazy person needs to think through. The ant provideth her meat in the summer. The word provide means to think ahead. She provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her, har- her, her food in the harvest. That's it. That's the illustration. That's the object lesson about the ant. The ant plans ahead. And it's repeated in Proverbs 30 and verse 25. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. There's a lesson there. God has given us times and seasons. And not just I'm not just talking about summer and winter and fall and that. I'm talking about in our life. We all have working years if we're physically able to. But folks, there's going to come a time where we're not going to be able to do what we've always done. And if we don't think ahead, we're not looking to the ant. I had a P- our, our PRBC conference recently. Uh, God bless Pastor Keith, uh, Keith Williams of um, Church in Wellsboro. He, he picked the theme, and it was, it was pastor's retirement, or they call it redeployment. Because pastors at a certain age can't keep up with the demands, and so there'll come a time when we have to redeploy and do something because we're not physically able to do it. And they made this point, this was drilled in our head, every pastor is an interim pastor. I thought, I'm not an interim pastor. I'm planning on staying here forever. And they drilled it in our heads. And I'll probably share some stuff with this at our annual business meeting. But it made me realize that I need to start thinking about, I am only an interim pastor. And there's going to come another guy along. In fact, they said, I'll share this, I'll share this later. Um, If you want, the biggest thing that affects the age of a congregation, like, you know, is the age of the pastor. And I remember telling people recently, when we first started the church, I was 29, and, and we had all the people in our church, we didn't have any gray heads. And I, I told people, we need to pray for gray hairs. We need to pray for gray-haired people. Well, guess what? Now we're all gray-haired people, right? <laughs> and, and I'm realizing that, you know, I need to start thinking about someone younger uh, and to, to take over. I'm just an interim. And, and it was good for me to hear that. Anyway, um, so the idea is that we all have to plan ahead because, you know, we're going to break down. We're not going to be able to keep up with things, and, and we have to think through that. Or we're going to be like these missionary couples. Uh, in fact, mission organizations all across the country 
had a crisis when all their missionaries were retiring and, and many of them did not have family to help them. And that's when all of a sudden they started having missionary retirement communities, mobile home parks and all, where, you know, they could be taken care of because that was just, you know, they didn't think through that. So, fourth thing, using your treasure. So first we had um, living within your means. Second is living with your means, whatever, whether it's one, five, or two, whatever. And now it's um, living or using our accumulated means. Remember what treasure is? It's, it's, it's accumulated, something we've set aside for future use. That's what treasure is. So I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 8. No, you know what? Let's go back to our scripture. Go to Luke chapter 12. That was our scripture reading about the man who uh, built two barns or had to build more barns because everything overflowed. I want to share this basic point. A lot of folks believe that a desire for gain is equal to greed. If you are greedy, that means you, you, you want to get something. And yet, when you look at Scripture, that's not what greed is. Greed is not simply the desire to get gain. In fact, God, you know that God created us all with two basic needs or concerns? A desire for gain and a fear of loss. And God does not condemn them. In fact, Jesus said in Mark chapter 8 and verse 36... He said, what shall it profit a man? Hey, Jesus, I'm not interested in gain. I'm so content. I'm not interested in gain, so I don't want to hear what you have to say because we're not supposed to want to profit. No, he's, he says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And then, remember the fear of loss? Mm -hmm. And loses his own soul. Jesus is not saying that a desire for gain is evil, but he's talking about what we desire. So let's look at uh, Luke 12, verse 15. By the way, there's a proverb that says, He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own soul. See that? But what's the context? The very next statement in that proverb, Proverb 15, 27. But he that hateth gifts shall live. In other words, the idea of he that is greedy of gain, that is clearly, by context and the Hebrew, it's clearly talking about ill-gotten gains. It's the desire to get rich. Like, I want to get rich, and then, and then accomplishing it in uh, ungodly or immoral ways. That's the idea of that. So the idea of simply wanting to, wanting to have treasure to give to others or give to the Lord or plan for future needs, that's not evil. So look at, this, look at this example now. Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. And Jesus said unto them, he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Let's stop for a minute. Let's bring in Matthew chapter 16. Remember what Jesus said? Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, but treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt, thieves can't break through and steal. In other words, he's saying, as I said earlier, you need to start thinking about taking what you have 
and investing it in things that last a little bit longer. And so it says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, verse 16, Luke 12, 16, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no rooms where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, here's the key, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. That, remember the sluggard? That's what he's talking about. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? God was not condemning the fact, this man was not providing. Remember the Bible says any, any man that provides not for his own household, his own family. This wasn't that guy that was preparing for his retirement or planning to take care of his wife if he passed away. This was all for selfish consummation. And he was totally, he was rich in this world and poor with God. And, and God said, you are such a fool because tonight you're going to die. Your, your soul will be required. And then what good is all your goods? Who, who's, gonna, who's it going to provide for that's the idea. I close with this. In, in, and we don't, we don't have time to turn there. But in Genesis chapter 15, or Genesis chapter 25, verses 29 through 34, we see the example of Jacob and Esau. What we need to learn when it comes to our finances and our things, we need to learn contentment. But one of the most important qualities in material management is this issue of delayed gratification. That's what investing is all about. That's what stewardship is all about. Investing for better things. Planning ahead. In other words, not just, not just living and spending everything as soon as we get it, but thinking down the road. Hey, you know what? My car's going to break down. By the way, does anyone have a car that never breaks down? We've got to plan that, don't we? A mortgage bill or a rental. Um, it, we, we have things, retirement, those kind of things that, and we're not even talking about eternal treasure right now. We're just talking about the here and now. We need to have some treasure to prepare for those things. It's not hoarding. It's not this example here in Luke chapter 12. Understand there's a difference. If, if hoarding was wrong, like laying aside money for anything was wrong, God would never make an example of the ant who provides a head. Remember the story real quick. Jacob was, um, was making stew. Esau was a hunter. And Esau came in from the field and he was faint. And he said, give me your stew. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. Esau had the blessing of the family birthright. His future was taken care of. His, his family was taken care of. And he came in starved to death. And he just wanted some food. And Jacob said, okay, sell me your birthright. And in verse 32 it says, And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright be to me? And Jacob swore to me, and sa or Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. And... Um, Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. It was stew. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Here's what one commentator sum, summarized it as. 
Esau's repudiation of the unseen and intangible for the sake of immediate gratification is the symbol of a large portion of human sin and thoughtlessness. It's true. And I close with this. It's an illustration I've used before, and it has to do with Mercedes-Benz, like last week. And it's not like I'm, I'm like preoccupied with Mercedes-Benz. I know they're very expensive. But actually, this is a little older of an illustration, but I want to share with you about this man. Again, this is from the Legacy Journal. It's, it's a book, uh, and, and it talks about a man who was in his 20s, and um, he was very successful. And he had a goal that once he earned, once his income, because he was very, he was constantly getting raises, he was a very diligent worker. This was back in 1986. And he said, once I start making $100,000 a year, I'm going to take one of my investments, I'm going to take out $40,000, and I'm going to buy a brand new Mercedes Benz. That was his desire, that was his goal. And... Uh, and so when, when that time came in 1986, where he was making $100,000, he cashed an investment, he went to the car dealer with cash in hand, $40,000. And he, he found this beautiful Mercedes-Benz, and he said, I, I want to buy it. And the guy said, I'll tell you what, you think about it, take it home overnight. Car dealers do that, you know. Pretty cool. For one day, you get to have a car that really isn't yours, you know. And so he... He said, okay, I'll, I'll take it overnight and I'll think about it. So as he's driving this Mercedes-Benz, first he's just relishing in, in the new car feel and all that. And uh, all of a sudden, he started thinking about um, this Mercedes. And he took out his calculator and he looked at what that $40,000 Mercedes might be worth in a few years if it was invested in a different way. And he changed his mind. And so instead, he bought a $6,000 car, and he took the $40,000 and put it in a separate mutual fund and forgot about it. Twelve years later, he's driving along the road, pulls up to a stoplight, and um, he notices parked right, you know, stall, you know, in idling right next to him was a 1986 Mercedes-Benz. It it, it's like the car he would have bought. And he rolled down his window... And he shouted out and he said, um, he said, how much is that car worth? And the guy said, I just bought it. I got it at book value. I paid $4,000 for it. So the $40,000 turned into $4,000 in 12 years. So he went home and he opened his mutual fund statement 12 years later. Remember he had put down $40,000 and forgot about it? And it was worth $300,000. So he could have had a $4,000 car or a $300,000 mutual fund. Now, you know, we are so mentally today, people, people have a problem with anybody having savings. But nobody has a problem with people going out and, and uh, leasing a car that really, once you're done paying all the interest and all, is way more than the car was even listed as and as soon as you drive it off the the car lot brand new car it just drops in value but see remember good stewardship think about that i, I just forty thousand dollars invested wisely now he's not laying up treasure in heaven unless he was going to give that to missions and if he would that that'd be even wiser he's just thinking down the road long term 
delayed gratification. And he ends up making $300,000. Wow. If you could give $40,000 to missions today, or just hold off for 12 years and then give $300,000, what would be a bigger blessing? But we don't think that way. I close with this. Luke 16, verse 11. Jesus, um, summarizing a parable, he says, If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? So as I close, if you're in a position where your cup, your needs are not being met, your cup not only isn't running over, you you don't even have enough to make expenses, then, then you're not at a point to consider what we're challenging, you know, with faith promise. And, and I would much rather you wait and, and we would love to help you put your finances in order just through counsel and all. We don't touch your finances, it's yours, but we would help you. Um, we would love to see that, to, to get in a place where you'd be blessed that way than to have you make an emotional impulse decision and then and not be able to fulfill it and, and you're still not making enough to, to meet your needs. Now, I know this is weird. This is my faith promise plug to try to raise money for missions. And I'm telling people, don't give. <laughs> what? If you can't give, don't give. This, this idea of missions is we're thinking about, uh, you know, we're, we're challenging people who have that treasure and want to lay up treasure in heaven. So you pray about it if God leads you. Uh, we're not buying chairs. Okay? We're, not, we're not buying chairs, for those of you that were here last week. Um, but if, if you feel like God might want you and you might be in a position where you could give to missions, prayerfully consider that and then just take out that card. Only one, it's a slip. Fill it out, cut it in half and put it in the offering plate over the next two months, I think it is, month and a half. And then when we have our annual business meeting, we're going to discuss the idea of, of how much we can give to missions. Okay? All right, thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you'd bless. Father, I know, I, I know I'm so sensitive to people that are struggling financially, and my desire is not to put guilt on them or make them more stressed out or feel anxiety. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd rather fill them with hope and realize that you have principles in the scriptures that we can begin to apply. And just doing little baby steps and little little things here and there. Uh, we can get our financial house in order. I pray for those that are struggling with that, that, that uh, we might be able to come alongside them and help them. Uh, I pray, Father, for our missions giving next year, that you would just bless. And whatever you want us to give, um, just help us to be generous and provide that for us. And Father, I ask you to bless uh, these things and then bless our business meeting, short business meeting after. I pray that you'd be glorified and we just ask your blessing now in Jesus' precious name, amen.